In this episode, I'm joined by an awesome guest, and we're talking about visiting museums in Washington, D.C. A little context behind this episode. Over the summer, I read an article about today's guest, a local resident who made it her goal to visit every museum in Washington, D.C. in 2022, and I immediately knew I had to interview her for this podcast, so I was thrilled when she agreed to join me for this episode. Washington, D.C. is a museum city, and people who visit here usually visit a museum or two or three during their trip. What a lot of people don't realize is exactly how many total museums there actually are. And when people tell me they want to quote-unquote see all of the museums, I usually have to be the bearer of bad news and tell them it's simply not possible, at least not for an average-length trip. When you count them all up, there are over 80 museums in D.C., and that's only D.C., and doesn't even include the suburbs in Maryland and Virginia, which have even more. So to visit every museum in the city is a massive accomplishment, something I don't think many people can say they've done, something I can't personally say that I've done. But the other reason I wanted to interview today's guest is because going to so many museums means that you pick up a lot of tips for making the most out of your experience, and I wanted to talk about that too. I personally do not believe there is an objectively best single museum in D.C. I think there's a best museum for everybody, depending on your own unique interests. So my hope with this episode is that you'll get some inspiration. Which museums in D.C. do you really want to visit? Which exhibits in those museums do you really want to see? And then get some tips to make the most out of your experience when you go. And with all of that said, let's get started. Welcome to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. Discover the best tips, tricks, and travel hacks for your visit to the nation's capital. And now, here's Rob and this episode's special guest. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or see the show notes from this episode, you can do that over at triphacksdc.com slash podcast. Today, I am joined by Noel Harada. Noel is a TikTok creator who set a goal in 2022 to visit every museum in Washington, D.C. She documents each museum visit with a short video review. So, Noel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I just have to tell you before we start that in preparation for this episode, I watched every single TikTok short video that you've done so far in chronological order. Wow. So it is just uh, an incredible resource. Just an incredible resource for folks who are visiting D.C. or who live in D.C. So thanks for putting this all together. Yeah, thanks for watching. I didn't realize you watched all of them. Every single one. <laughs> so I guess my first question is, what what inspired you to do this? Yeah, so I'm originally from the Chicago area. And every time I go home, my dad always asks me if I've gone to all the museums in Washington, D.C. Because, <laughs> you know, that's what he knows about D.C. We have monuments and we have museums. So after a while of him asking me this question, I finally decided, you know, there's no reason I can't go to all the museums. So that's exactly what I set out to do. It was just, I had enough of his questions and I was ready to just do it. I really appreciate what your dad thinks because the way he thinks is very similar to how a lot of visitors uh, to DC think, which is there's a lot of museums, but I can just take a weekend and do them, right? Just, you know, plan a short trip and do all the museums. And you have identified 83 museums. And just to be clear, this is only in the District of Columbia. So this doesn't even include Arlington, Alexandria, any of the suburbs, 83 museums in DC. So that is a lot. And I'm curious, how exactly do you define 
a museum? Yeah, so 83 is a lot. And my list has actually grown. When I first started, it was 83. But throughout the process, people have requested some museums or some more have opened. So my list has grown to more than 83. I don't know exactly how many are on there right now, but definitely more than that. But a museum, first of all, if it has the word museum in the name, I obviously Mm. consider that a museum. But some of them don't have museum in the name. And typically I consider a place that holds artifacts or art or any place with really a special exhibit on a topic or a niche. Like the Futures exhibit at the Arts and Industries Building, I considered that a museum. So, yeah, if it has museum, if it holds artifacts, art, or if it has a special exhibit. Yeah, I think that's a really nice way of doing it. And it it includes a lot, right? So for example, I think you consider the National Zoo to be a museum and people will quibble all all day long about whether a zoo is a museum or not. But it it has those defining features that you mentioned. Right. Yeah, the zoo, the botanic garden, I, I consider both of those a museum for this project. And when I describe the botanic gardens, I kind of describe it as a museum of plants. And I suppose you could even say the zoo is a museum of live animals or something like that, too. (laughs) Yeah. And the zoo also has some exhibits in there as well, like about brain size of animals, for example, is one exhibit I saw at the zoo. So there's some really interesting things at both of them that I think make them a museum. So you're visiting 83 museums or over 83 museums. And that alone takes a lot of time. But I'm also curious to know, how much time do you spend preparing for each of your visits? Yeah, you know, actually not too much time preparing. I try and just go with an open mind and take everything in while I'm there. But I do try and look at a few things before I go. For example, obviously, when is the museum open? Do I need to get tickets in advance or can I just walk in? I also try and think about transportation. Like, can I walk? Do I need to take a metro or a ride chair? So those are all things I think about ahead of time. And with this project, you know, I've gone to a lot and I know my friends have specific interests. So I also try and think about what friends might appreciate coming with me. So not too much time, but I look at some basic things before I go. Yeah. So you started this project in the beginning of 2022. And Mm -hmm. for folks who have been maybe planning a trip to DC for a while, you may know, or maybe you don't, that in the beginning of 2022, many museums were not open every day, even Mm -hmm. Smithsonian museums. Many of them were only open five days per week. And those are the biggest ones. And some of the smaller ones, they might only be open Monday through Friday or only on the weekend or maybe even by invitation only or something like that. So in the beginning, it was a lot harder to get in and and try and visit museums. But now that things have opened up, it's easier to just walk in places. And when you're preparing, are you looking at a list of exhibits, what's on display right now? Or is it just, I want to go to this museum and whatever's there is there and I'm going to see it? Yeah, I mean, before I go, I do look at the exhibits just so I know what I'm in for. And especially if it's a really big museum, I want to see which exhibits look interesting to me before I walk in there, you know, with big eyes and not sure where to walk. So I do look at the exhibits before I go as well. Some Washington, D.C. museums are known for being absolutely huge, absolutely massive. They're the size of multiple football fields, whereas others are small. I mean, they're basically just a single room, just exhibits in a single room. So when you're thinking about your visits, how much time do you plan to spend at each museum? How do you approach that? Yeah, that's a good question. So Obviously, I know the ones that are really big, 
and I try and have a whole day or nothing to do after, no plans in the afternoon. But normally I just figure it out when I walk in. If I'm on a time crunch, maybe I'll Google how long does it take to go through XYZ Museum. Um, But normally I just try and go when I have nothing to do afterwards. Yeah, I learned a few years ago that Smithsonian, or really the museum industry as a whole, I'm sure, has a, a term for this. They call it the dwell time, the average dwell time, which is how much time the average person spends in the museum. And I learned that at most Smithsonian museums, which are the really big ones in D.C., it's about two hours on average. But for some of them, like the African-American History Museum, it's it's more than that. It's uh, several hours uh, longer than that. So do you remember which museum you spent the most time in during your visit? Probably the National Gallery of Art, just because, you know, there's two buildings and the outdoor sculpture garden. There's just so much to see there. So I remember I was training for a half marathon at this point when I, at this point in my journey and I had run like 10 miles that morning and I knew I was going to the National Gallery of Art in the afternoon. And by the time I got to the end, I was just so exhausted. I was there forever, but I really love the National Gallery of Art. I think it's great. Yeah. I remember that video. I believe you said something like I was so exhausted that I almost didn't go up to the roof and see the blue rooster, but I'm glad I did. Oh yeah. Blue rooster is a must see. I guess you consider the National Gallery of Art one museum, even though, you, like you said, there's three components. There's the uh, the East Wing, which is the modern section. There's the West Wing, the original, which is the more classical pieces. And then the Sculpture Garden, which is the outdoor pieces. So if I were to do it again, I would probably split it up into multiple days. But I don't know. I felt ambitious, I guess. <laughs> is that one that you feel like you need to return to because you didn't have enough time? Yeah, I would definitely go back there. I don't. I know I didn't see everything in there, even though I spent a long time. Um, and yeah, some of the big ones, you definitely just need to go back and split it up into multiple days. Are there any others that you felt that way about? Probably the African-American History and Culture Museum. I've already been there a couple of times just because there's so much to see. And a lot of the other big Smithsonian's as well, like the Natural History Museum, the American History Museum, all of the big ones where the information is so dense, you just, you know, you got to go back multiple times. Yeah, I think the African-American History Museum is interesting because in many ways, it's like two museums. There's the History Museum, that's the part on the bottom, and then there's the Culture Museum. And you kind of see that just in the name of the museum itself. It's called the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. And so if you want to do both, I actually myself have gone on multiple trips and on one trip just did the history and then the other just did the culture. Yeah, I would say that one definitely requires multiple trips because I think there's what, five floors or four floors? I'm not sure the exact number and I don't want to give the wrong answer, but it's it's quite a few. And that's actually a deceivingly large museum because what you see from the outside, so like when I end my monuments tour over at the World War II Memorial, people often point to it and they say, oh, what's that over there? And I say it's the African-American History and Culture Museum. And from the outside, you're only seeing the part that's above ground. And a lot of the history exhibits are, are underground. And so you don't even see those from the outside. So it's, it's really big. I really love how that museum's set up, too. Now, I'm curious, uh, when it comes to these big museums like uh, natural history or American history, obviously, you're going, uh, your project is to go to all of the museums. So you're kind of focusing on the entire museum unit. But um, when you're thinking about maybe if you were advising people, would you advise them to go to a museum and then try to see all the exhibits? Or would you advise them to go in, 
uh, and focus on specific exhibits and, and maybe kind of mix and match museums, maybe think about it more uh, on an exhibit level than a museum level? What do you think about that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, for my purposes, I just try and see a little bit of everything while I'm there because, you know, I just want a flavor of the museum as a whole. But especially for the free museums, I know I can always go back and dive deeper into the exhibits I didn't get to see. For people who are only here for a day or two, I would say don't spend all day in one place. You know, you can go to a lot of free museums in one day, especially because they're all right there on the mall and kind of mix and match what you want to see. Don't put too much pressure on yourself to, to see everything in one go because it can be kind of overwhelming. Yeah, overwhelming is definitely the word I would use to describe it too if you try to push yourself too hard. Now, I noticed that in several of your videos, you uh, took a guided tour around the museum and you always seem to have such nice things to say about the tour guides. So shout out to the tour guides. Oh yeah, they're always great. You know, how do you decide whether you're going to do the guided tour or whether you're just going to kind of self-guide yourself around the museum? Yeah, so for most of them, I do just do a self-guided tour unless they offer a tour up front and they really highly suggest doing it. Or for a lot of the house museums, they require you to go on a guided tour. So I like to go by myself. A lot of these museums also have an audio component where Mm. there's QR codes and you can kind of do a listening tour by yourself, which I think is pretty interesting. When I do go on guided tours, I haven't had a bad experience with a bad tour guide ever. And yeah, I mean, if, if it's something you're very, very interested in and want to get a deeper history, I would suggest a guided tour. Yeah, I think that's right. And it does seem like the, I guess, the smaller museums or like you said, the house museums, the ones that are people's old houses, mm-hmm. uh, they're the ones that typically have the guided tour just because there's fewer visitors. And so it's more manageable for a tour guide to take everybody around who goes. But it's some of the really, really huge ones. There's just so many people that, um, you know, it's just not feasible for every single person to get a guided tour. Right. Most museums in D.C. are free. I think most. Maybe you can fact check me on that. Yeah, most are free. (laughs) And that's one of the best things about Washington, D.C., in in my opinion and in the opinion of many of our visitors. But uh, most is not all. And so some of the museums do have uh, do cost. Either you have to buy a ticket or it's a suggested donation. And so I'm curious to know, what was the most expensive museum that you visited? And do you think it was worth the ticket price? Yeah. So the two most expensive that I've been to were the Spy Museum and the O Street Museum. And both were about $27. For those two, I would say it was worth it. The Spy Museum, if you haven't gone, you know, it's just absolutely incredible, especially if you have kids or are interested in the Spy Museum. I think it's a if you want to go, you should definitely go. Don't let the price avert you. For the O Street Museum, I really, really enjoyed it. I could have spent all day in there, and I think it was worth the price. And then the third most expensive was Our Tech House, and that was $24. And I, I don't know if that was worth the price for me. It was pretty expensive, and it's a small exhibit in there. Yeah, so I have been to the Spy Museum. It's mm-hmm. great. I like it. Uh, I went before COVID, and I'm not sure how much the same or different it is now because before COVID, there was a lot of interactivity. There was a lot of pretending like you were a spy, completing your mission, crawling around. Very good for kids, like you said. You know, if you're 
a fan of James Bond and want to pretend like you're him, it's a great place to go. Is it still like that? Yeah, I've been, I went before the pandemic and then fairly recently, and it's pretty much back to 100% action. So if you want to be interactive, if you want to crawl around in an air duct, it's, it's all open. Yeah, the Spy Museum is very, very good at marketing themselves. They have a very good marketing team. So most people who ask me about museums, they ask about the Smithsonian museums and then they ask about the spy museum because those are the ones they've heard of. I've seen I've seen posters in the metro about the spy museum. So they're definitely on their advertisement game. And I'm curious, just out of pure curiosity, not that it helps anyone who's listening right now, but did you ever go to the museum before it closed? RIP? I did. Yeah, I miss it. It was so good. That was the one that I used to tell people was worth paying for. And yeah, it's it's sad. Uh, some of the artifacts have moved to other museums um, or got sent back to whoever owned them. But yeah, it's sad that it's it's gone now. Yeah, I, I get that question a lot on my videos. Like, hey, did you ever go to the museum? And yeah, I miss it. I love that museum. And people think that the museum closed because of COVID and it actually closed on the last day of the year 2019. So it was already scheduled to close. It was just unfortunate timing right around yeah. uh, COVID as well. So what about special or rotating exhibits? So for example, right now in 2022, we have one with Eternity at the Hirshhorn Museum. And earlier this year, we had Futures, which you mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago. Do you try to plan your visits to these museums around these popular rotating exhibits so you can make sure you see them when they're, uh, when they're happening? Yeah, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't really planning around any special exhibits, but I have gone back. I went to the Hirshhorn before the one with Eternity exhibit was there, and I've gone back to see it. So like I said before, a lot of these museums are free. And if I don't get to see a special exhibit or if one opens that I'm particularly interested in, I can always go back to see it at a later time. So it's not something I necessarily take into consideration when planning where to go. But I do keep an eye out for the ones that that interest me. And I'm curious, you know, what's your review on One with Eternity? It's very popular with the social media crowd because it's very, I guess you could call Instagrammable. Did yeah. you like it? I did like it. It wasn't necessarily what I expected. Like it's a lot of standing in line to see yes. small exhibits. <laughs> but the exhibits that I did see were really cool. And like you said, good for my TikTok following. <laughs> a lot of stand. See, that's what they don't show you on. It's similar with like the Mona Lisa what you don't see is the line that everybody's yeah. standing in to go mm -hmm. see it. It's similar to that. And what about Futures? It's gone now, but I loved it. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Futures was great. I didn't know it was there because this was right when I started my project. I was just walking around the mall and, you know, in front of the Futures exhibit, there's that big green sculpture in front of the Arts and Industries building. And I was like, oh, I wonder what that is. Wandered in and was met with an amazing exhibit. So I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, so it's it's gone now. You know, I, I try to advise people when they're thinking about which museum they want to see, you know, are there any temporary exhibits that are happening right now that you really want to see? Because if you don't see it, even if you come back in a few years, it might be gone by then. Some of these exhibits are, I don't want to, nothing's for forever, but they're not planned to go away, but some of them are. So do you have uh, any advice, general advice, I suppose, for tourists or visitors uh, when it comes to these museums? Yeah, well, that's a really good point to look into temporary exhibits. I haven't thought about that, but that's a really good tourist information. 
The other thing I would say, if you can, if you're only here for a few days, try and go into the Washington Monument mm. or the old clock tower if you can't get yes. tickets to the Washington Monument. Um, because, you know, the DC views are pretty cool to see. And that's a really short, fast, easy thing to do. Um, but other than that, if there's, I think there's a museum for everyone in DC. I mean, we have the big history museums, we have smaller, specific DC history museums, art museums, house museums, religious museums, really everything. So once you settle on a topic that might interest you, maybe think about how much time you have. You can hop around to different places if they're free. And also, you know, maybe look at videos beforehand. I don't want to shamelessly plug myself too much, but plug away. <laughs> I have all the videos for the museums I've been to on TikTok. So maybe like learn a little bit about something before you go to kind of set your standards. I think that's excellent advice. My advice has always been along the same vein, which is ask yourself, what am I interested in? Don't just go to the one that you, you Google, what's the most popular museum in DC? Cause it'll turn up the air and space museum. Yeah. And if you're, you know, a history buff, if you're an art lover, that might not be the best museum for you, even though it's the most popular one. Now for you, I'm really curious. I was trying to figure this out and I, I don't know if I did. People tend to lean either more towards favoring history museums and I lean in that direction or they lean towards favoring art museums. And I felt like you were definitely digging the art museums, but you were also digging the history museums. So do you feel like you lean in one direction or another? I think I typically lean art museum, but some of the more niche history museums, like I really liked the DC history or DC history center. I think it's called mm. like some of yes. the more niche ones about DC history. I found really, really interesting. There's also some really good exhibits in the MLK Memorial library about DC history. So I like art museums and I like the more smaller niche history museums. And those are definitely two, I guess we could call them hidden gems because the DC history center, it's basically above an Apple store, a really fancy yeah. Apple store. And <laughs> yeah. I bet, I bet you that a whole bunch of people go to that Apple store to buy whatever. And they have no clue that there's this amazing thing right upstairs. And then the Martin Luther King Jr. Library is just a public library. So people are like, oh, well, that's where you go to read books or the newspaper or whatever. But yeah, it's got a huge local history exhibit too. Yeah. Now, are there any kind of random or miscellaneous things that you learned from visiting these 80-some museums that you picked up doing the project that you didn't know before, but now you feel like you wish you'd always known? Yeah, I think in the beginning, I put a lot of pressure on myself to like, learn everything all at once when I was at museums. But now I I don't feel pressured to read every little detail unless, you know, that's the type of person you are. Like my aunt spent eight hours in the spy museum when she came to visit because she loves reading everything. But uh -huh. for me, I just, I try and skim the thing, everything, and then go in more in detail about the things that I'm truly interested in or else I know I'm just going to wear myself out. So that and also bring a snack because I've made the mistake of not doing that. And many of the museums, they will let you bring in a snack as long as it's like a packaged item or something. Um, yeah. So and many of the Smithsonian museums as kind of cumbersome as it is, they have metal detectors and bag checks, but they'll let you bring in something like a small snack. So that's a good. Yeah, thing. they typically do. Now, I'm curious to know when you travel to other cities like if you were going to go to New York City this weekend, 
are you going to museums or is this like, oh my goodness, I'm so burned out on museums that I just want to do anything else when I travel? You know, I think I'm actually, before this project, I wasn't really that much of a museum person, to be honest. And now that I've gone to all these museums, and I know there's more than just giant history museums. I'm more likely to go to a museum when I travel. I, when I travel, I really just like to explore the city I'm in. And sometimes yep. that does involve a museum. And other times that involves going on a walk or eating good food or just sightseeing around the city. So it's funny you bring up New York because I did go to a bunch of New York museums this <laughs> summer, which were, which were really cool because, you know, New York has some really great museums as well. And I'm glad I started this project because I probably wouldn't have thought about doing museums when I travel before I started this. But now it's something that I really think about. Yeah. Uh, New York City has two of the Smithsonian museums, if I yeah. remember correctly. It's two. So all of them are in D.C. or the D.C. area, plus the two in New York City of all places. Yeah. And then there's the the one in Virginia as well. Yes. The second air and space. Yes, the Udvarhazi Center, which again, you, your project is only in uh, the District of Columbia. So even though that's one that a lot of people do go to when they visit here, that's not one that is in the borders of DC. But I'm still, I'm still planning to go though. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> My personal favorite museum in New York City is the Transit Museum in Brooklyn. So if you haven't been to that one. Uh, oh, I haven't. I've, my cousin told me about that. So I definitely want to go back and see that. It's a bunch of old subway cars from different time periods, and I just I just love stuff like that. Very cool. So when we are recording this, just for full transparency, we are recording this before you have finished. So you're so close. You're so close to the goal, but um, you may already cross it off by the time this publishes. But I'm curious, are you going to have a party or a celebration or anything like that once you get to the final one? Uh, I don't know about a party. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe I'll go to the after hour at the at the art museum. Um, yeah, but, that would be perfect, actually. Yeah, but we'll see. Maybe I'll just, you know, pour a glass of wine and say congrats to myself. Oh, maybe I'll call my dad, too. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, you got to do that. That's the first <laughs> yes. first thing you got to do. Or, or you've got to do a live from the final museum with him on it. So that. Oh, that would see. be a, that's a good idea. Now, one thing that you do in all your TikToks is that you give each museum a score on a scale of one to 10. I think you mm -hmm. have never gone lower than like three or something, but one to 10, I suppose. And several tens were in there. So I think for listeners who really want to know, oh, what did she give a 10 to? You can watch all the TikToks like I did and find out. But I've got some questions that are uh, kind of specific um, about which museum would be your favorite in a specific scenario. Sound good? All right. Sounds good. Okay. So the first one is, uh, which museum did you like more than expected? Oh, I don't know if I can pick just one. <laughs> Could I give you my top three? Yes, of course. Okay. So I would say the old Korean legation museum. Wow. I really had no idea about this before I went there, but it was great. I basically had a personal tour because I don't think many people go there the Postal Museum, and the Anacostia Community Museum. Great picks, great picks. I definitely cannot disagree with the two that I've been to. I have not been to the Korean Legation Museum. I didn't even know that one existed, to be honest, before I saw it show up on your video. Um, so that's one I've got to get to. Okay, the next one is, which museum was the hardest for you to get into? 
Yeah, so I think that's one I still haven't gone to, and that's the White House. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so got to call my congressperson about that. Still waiting to get in there. Well, I will say that peak tourist season is coming to a close now that kids are back in school. Mm -hmm. So maybe you'll have better luck now that things are quieting down. I do think, generally speaking, the winter months, uh, like when it's the fewest number of people here, it's a little easier to get into places like that during those months. Oh, definitely. That's when I did most of the big Smithsonian's was in the winter. And uh -huh. it was way more chill. Yes, for sure. That's another good tip, by the way. Um, yes. Of course, not everybody can come. People can come when they can come. So, uh, But if you are here in the winter, that is an excellent time to do the big indoor sites because mm -hmm. there's just not as many people around. Okay, which museum do you think is the best for families with young kids? I got to go with Planet Word. Uh, I, I love Planet Word as an adult, and there's a lot of kids in there, and it, there's just so much to do, so much to see, a lot of interactive things going on. And also, I haven't gone yet, but there is a children's museum in D.C. as well. I thought you were either going to say the Spy Museum or Planet Word. And I cannot disagree with you, though, about Planet Word. I just went for the first time this summer, uh, so in 2022. It actually opened during the pandemic. So mm -hmm. if you haven't been here since before COVID, you might have not even ever heard of it. And I was blown away with how good it was. Um, but you're right. Like, there's a lot of interactive exhibits where you can like talk into a microphone or sing karaoke and like kids just love that stuff. Oh yeah. And you can like talk to iPads and learn a different language and it, there's just so much to do. I love it. If I was going to answer the question, which one did I like more than expected? I think that would be my answer to that one, but yeah, um, it's definitely good for young kids. So along a similar line, which one do you think is best for teenagers? Uh, it's hard to pick one for teenagers. I think any of the Smithsonian's are good for teens because they're so big. There's so much to see. I'm sure you could find something you enjoy. But another thing I was thinking about was maybe the art museums at the different universities in D.C. Mm. Like while they're doing school visits, maybe just pop in and see the art museum because the art museums are really, really good at, at the universities in D.C., yeah, I have to admit, I haven't been to any of them. And when I saw your videos, I was shocked at how good they looked. Uh, yeah. I kind of just assumed it would be like college student quality art, which, which uh, you know, I guess I was wrong to assume it wouldn't be that great because it's, it is great. It's really great. Great. Yeah. Okay. Which museum do you think is best for a DC local who thinks they've quote unquote seen it all? I think I have to go back to what we were talking about before, like the DC history exhibits yep. in, in the MLK Memorial Library. I think those are really good exhibits and they're pretty hidden. And I mean, the MLK Memorial Library is beautiful as a library too. So maybe spend some time there and see the exhibits. And they're both new. They're both, I don't, yeah. I don't know what we can call brand new, but they've both just opened in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this one you might not have an answer to because you already gave the tip to pack a snack. So I think you're, you're kind of brown bagging when you visit the <laughs> museums. But if you've eaten at any of the museums, uh, do you think that any of them has the best food? Yeah, I haven't really eaten at any of them. I have, I have eaten actually at the, the Museum of the American Indian. Mm -hmm. But the food court isn't fully open or it wasn't when I was there. So I haven't fully experienced it. But I've heard really good things about the food court there. And uh -huh. the African-American History and Culture Museum. I know I've heard really good things about the food there, too. Yeah, those are the two that I like the best. I think the trick is that people sometimes have 
misaligned expectations. They think they're going to get like a restaurant meal when it's it's still a cafeteria, right? It's Yeah, it's still museum food. <laughs> one I will call out is Planet Word does have um, a restaurant called Immigrant Food in it. That's a restaurant that started, they, they started elsewhere in DC and that's kind of the in-house cafe there. So that I thought was pretty cool that they had that there. Oh yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I did eat there and it was delicious. And it's right. I think it's like on the lower level of the museum. There, there's a connection. Yeah, and you can get to it from the outside too, so you don't have yeah. to go into the museum to eat there. You can just pop in from the outside. Now, if someone says, "I'll pay for one museum, but only one," which museum would you recommend for them? I might have to say Spy Museum for this. Okay. I think I would agree with you. I mean, it is it is a tough choice. The Spy Museum uh, is, I think you said the most expensive ticket, right? But just because it's the most expensive doesn't mean it's not worth it. It can still yeah. definitely be worth it. Yeah, for me, it was worth it. I think if you haven't done it, you should do it at least once. And the last one is, what is the weirdest or wackiest exhibit or artifact that you found and which museum was it in? Yeah, so this is one, one of my followers commented on a video telling me I needed to go here. And it's this really small museum in the basement of a building at the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Uh-huh. And they had some really wacky artifacts, like some old scary looking vibrators. So I think that was probably the wackiest thing I've seen. I think what I, I actually laughed out loud um, at that one, because at the beginning, you say something to the effect of the collection's not very well, not very well labeled and the person who knew everything retired and they're gone. Right? <laughs> and so it's just like this random collection of items. And like, like you say, most of it is kind of self-explanatory, but it's just, you know, interesting how you, someone as their passion project or their hobby project, they can make an entire museum and then they just leave and it's just kind of still there. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I mean, I hope they hire someone back who can who can talk more about the museum itself. But it was still interesting, even though I didn't know too much about all the artifacts. Yeah. And is some of the museums that you've been to, it's like a situation where you say the museum doesn't have hours. You just have to like go when there's a volunteer working or you have to call in advance and make sure somebody's there. Some of these are small and some of them are not, you know, don't get a whole lot of people. I think this might be one of them. Yeah, I agree. And some of those are some of those are really cool though because usually you're the only one in there and people are excited that you're there and want to talk all about it. So, I don't discourage people from seeking out the smaller museums. And one more thing I want to ask you about on the topic of weird or wacky is in one of my personal favorite museums, which is the National Postal Museum, I think one of the most underrated museums in town. There is a taxidermied dog named Oni that a lot of people, when they first see it, think is just like a you know stuffed animal, um, just like a toy. But no, it's a taxidermied dog. Did you see Oni when you went? Uh, R.I.P. Oni. Yes, <laughs> I did see Oni. <laughs> I went to the Postal Museum with my cousin, and you know it's a great museum, one of my favorites, a ten out of ten in my book. But when we first saw Oni, we we thought the same thing. Oh, it's just you know the the old mascot of the U.S. Postal Service. And then you read a little closer and turns out it's actually Oni in there. So yeah. I, I had the same reaction. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Okay. Well, Noelle, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your incredible knowledge about these museums. 
like I said, you have documented your visit to all of them. And it's an incredible resource that people should definitely go check out if they're planning a trip to DC, they want to find out more about these museums. So where should people go to find that and to follow along with you? Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me on. This was great. Um, you can follow me on TikTok at Noel Margaret Eight. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And you uh, are so generous that you have a spreadsheet that is linked in uh, your bio as well. And I'll make sure to put that in the show notes uh, too. It's a, it's a Google spreadsheet and it has a list of the museum, the cost, it has the address, it has the website, uh, it has, I think, the hours, um, if there are special hours. So that's just as much of an incredible resource. And so thank you for putting that together for everyone and for sharing it for free, just putting it out there for the world to have. Yeah, I hope more people can get out there and see some museums. It's been a super fun project. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing the project and thanks for chatting with me. Yep, have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. To see the show notes from today's episode, get additional resources for planning your trip, or to book a Trip Hacks DC guided tour, visit triphacksdc.com.